For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt and find more birds this spring. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more. From Mediator's World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review, presented by Steel. Steel products are available only at authorized dealers. For more, go to steeldealers.com. Now, here's your host, Ryan Cal Callahan. The Mexican drug cartel's affinity for exotic pets took a deadly turn this week after a spider monkey was killed in a shootout. A tiger nearly dismembered a man who was trying to pet it, and another tiger was found wandering the streets of a coastal Mexican town. I know what you're thinking. Cartel liability insurance, workman's comp, spider monkeys, tiger food. What does crime actually pay after that kind of overhead? I did it for me. I liked it. I was good at it. Reportedly, the spider monkey was dressed in military fatigues and a tiny tactical vest when it was shot and killed during a shootout between gang members and state police, according to Vice News. The monkey was owned by one of the gangsters and was apparently some kind of mascot, like Tony the Tiger, but representing illicit drugs instead of addictive, sugar-coated cereal. Mexican authorities have said, apparently in all seriousness, that they plan to conduct an autopsy on the monkey to determine the cause of death. Hmm. The monkey has since been christened by the internet as El Chango, which means the monkey, which isn't all that clever, but it's a play on, you know, the famous drug lord El Chapo, and will now live forever in the meme universe. Think of how much better the memes would have been if they would have tagged the monkey as El Comodor Platano, the banana eater. Don't type that into the search bar, kids. In the coastal Mexican town of Tecoala, another cartel pet was seen wandering the streets and scaring residents. The Bengal tiger had apparently had his fangs and claws removed, and the Guardian reports that a man was seen tossing a rope over the tiger's neck and leading it away. Another man had worse luck with his tiger encounter. 
in the western state of Michoacan. A video posted on social media shows someone feeding a tiger through a cage with one hand while petting the animal's head with the other. The wild animal apparently didn't appreciate the attention because it bit the man's arm and refused to let go. The man later died from his injuries. The Mexican cartels use exotic animals to demonstrate status and power, a move they copied from the Colombian drug lords of the 80s and 90s, and not Scarface. I can't remember if there's any animals in Scarface, but you have to remember that, Chico, first you get the money, then you get the animals, then you get the power, Chico. If you don't like that one, remember that reality is oftentimes much more bizarre. Pablo Escobar did, in fact, import hippos. His famous cocaine hippos, which he imported from Africa, are still wreaking havoc on the Magdalena River Basin. Originally, he imported four African hippos. Now there are as many as 100, and officials are struggling to deal with the 4,000-pound invasive species. I don't see cartel tigers having quite the same environmental impact but that's probably a small comfort to the folks who wake up with a bangle in their driveway. If you do, don't assume the claws and teeth have been removed. There's a jungle cat in the bathroom! Okay, This week, we've got elk, public land policy, the crime desk, and so much more. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. And my week is sponsored by Steel Power Equipment. Steel has all the outdoor power equipment you need to get your yard up to snuff. You can do it with battery or gas power. If you're confused on what fits you the most, remember, Steel has 10,000 authorized steel dealers across the country. You're never far from one. Find the closest dealer to you by going to steelusa.com. And by the way, if you're looking for tips for maintaining that yard and property, give them a follow at steelusa, S-T-I-H-L-U-S-A. Now, I'll tell you, I've had an unusual couple of weeks at home. The unusual part is I'm at home, not that things are unusual. I currently have a feral Hawaiian goat ham on the Camp Chef smoker and a bucket of leeches munching away on a piece of feral cattle liver in the sink, which in my life seems pretty normal. My garage is spotless. It's organized, considerably cooler than it is upstairs, and I'm getting pretty darn close to having the freezers emptied. A couple more barbecues and I'll be feeling very good about archery season. Old Snorticus has found herself in the dog days. It's hot. Our training is squarely in the swimming division. And I'm not going to lie. It's a little bit sloppy, but we're going to be all right come hunting season. (coughs) Moving on to the elk desk. The Nebraska Game and Parks Commission has scheduled a special elk depredation season to take place between July 1st and July 31st in specific parts of Lincoln, Perkins, Keith, Duell, and Garden Counties. The hunt will only be open on private land and is designed to limit crop damage. The commission says it has worked with landowners over the last several years to lower elk herds to a, quote, acceptable level in cropland areas. The herds live in the crop fields as soon as the corn gets to be about five feet tall, and then they don't move out until the harvest. They can do extensive damage while they're there, and then they disperse during the general elk season. This makes it tough for hunters to control the population, so the commission decided to institute the depredation hunt. Unlimited, either-sex elk tags will be available to landowners, residents, and non-resident hunters alike. 
However, to purchase a tag, you must either own 80 acres within the depredation zone or obtain permission from a landowner to participate in the special hunt. Tags will cost $20 for general residents, $40 for general non-residents, $5 for resident landowners, and $10 for non-resident landowners. Now, several of you wrote in to express your strong opposition to this hunt, and I get it. Giving landowners an unlimited number of elk tags seems, as one of you put it, more like a European hunting model than a North American thing. The hunt is occurring in a difficult-to-draw bull elk unit, which has got to sting for those of you who are applying. I will tell you this, elk antlers aren't real awesome in July. They're kind of mushy, full of blood. They're not uh, majestic and regal, I wouldn't say. So hopefully people who have an opportunity at a bull, let them walk, and they take a cow. That's the other sticky point here. Cows will have calves with them that are still nursing at this point. That's sad. I'm not telling you what to do, but a milk-fed calf, that is some good eating. On top of this, some hunters are also angry that landowners can profit from this decision by charging a trespass fee to hunt their property. I hear ya. If it's about depredation, they should let anybody on who's willing to buy a tag. If they aren't, they're full of crap. And remember, if you're upset by the commission decision, and I totally get it if you are, you should keep a few things in mind. First, this hunt will not eliminate the state's elk herd. The Nebraska elk herd is about 3,000 animals strong, and this hunt is only occurring in a few specific areas where hunters have taken only about five elk per year over the last three years. Offering unlimited tags opens the possibility of a much higher harvest, but even then, it wouldn't threaten the state's larger elk population. Also keep in mind that landowners won't be the only people participating in this hunt. Any resident or non-resident hunter can, they just need a landowner's permission. And again, if you're a landowner who wants to elk off your property, you better not be charging people to get on your property. The Game and Parks Commission has assurances from landowners that they will be open to allowing access. Otherwise, they wouldn't have called the hunt. Lastly, this won't be a new permanent season. The commission hasn't ruled out holding more depredation hunts in the future, but this is a management tool they use on an as-needed basis. The only really universally good thing here is that they are giving hunters the chance to participate and they aren't just killing elk in the middle of the night and shipping them off. If you're on the fence here, hunting is a management tool, and corn-fed elk, I mean, yes please. I know this won't be enough to satisfy some folks, and I'm not saying this is the best solution, but Nebraska's elk herd has tripled in size over the last 15 years, which is great for hunters, but it's a big change for landowners and for the wildlife officials tasked with managing the herd and balancing multiple stakeholders. Maybe there's a better way to address this issue. If you think that's the case, don't be satisfied with leaving an angry Facebook comment. Get on the phone with your commissioner and your local biologist and have a polite conversation. You might be surprised at how far that gets you and how much you thought you knew, but really didn't. Moving on to the Tribal Policy Desk. Two bills have been introduced in the U.S. House and Senate that would give Native American tribes more power to decide what happens on federal public land. Sponsored by U.S. Senator Martin Heinrich and U.S. Representative Raul M. Grijalva, the bills would, among other things, prohibit the sale of public land containing a cultural site 
authorize tribal governments to acquire public land, and require more consultation with tribal representatives when planning public land use. The bills would also establish a national tribal cultural area system to designate public lands with culturally significant sites. Tribes would be given management control of these areas, which would be managed to preserve their cultural value while allowing for traditional tribal use. Tribal governments and their citizens already have rights to hunt and gather prey, conduct ceremonies, and visit burial sites on public lands, but the bill's sponsors argue that public land management laws fail to adequately protect these rights and interests. It's past time to end the era of land management agencies conducting tribal consultation just to check a box. The federal government has a responsibility to communicate with and provide tribal governments with a real seat at the table, said Senator Martin Heinrich. The Bureau of Land Management and the U.S. Forest Service are already moving in this direction. Officials from those two agencies just inked an unprecedented deal with leaders of five Native American tribes to co-manage Bears Ears National Monument in Utah. It's unclear exactly what co-management will look like for this 1.4 million acre monument, but tribal leaders say it's the best avenue for restorative justice. We've covered tribal hunting and fishing rights in previous episodes, and it's safe to say that there's no easy position to take. Tribal members don't always have to follow fish and game regs, which can understandably upset non-tribal hunters who want to see those resources preserved. At the same time, a treaty is a treaty, and the rule of law still matters. If the federal or state governments gave a tribe a hunting and fishing rights in perpetuity, they have an obligation to honor that agreement. This is a complex issue, but you can see why tribes would like stronger protections. You may already know the example of the Missouri man who was indicted for stealing artifacts from an Osage Nation archaeological area, known as the Tightwad site due to its location next to Tightwad, Missouri. 77-year-old Johnny Lee Brown was charged in an 11-count indictment that included five felony counts of excavating, damaging, and otherwise altering and defacing archaeological resources. Brown and several of his friends allegedly entered the site at least 10 separate times over the course of five years and used hand tools to dig out cultural artifacts. Prosecutors have not said what they stole, but an archaeologist estimated the damage to exceed 300,000. Brown and his co-conspirators were charged under the Archaeological Resources Protection Act of 1979. This act protects public and Native American lands that are, quote, an irreplaceable part of the nation's heritage. The act prohibits digging or excavating without a permit and makes it a felony to damage, alter, or deface the sites. Now with yahoos like these running around, it's understandable that tribes would want to beef up the laws protecting their cultural heritage. At the same time, you might argue that this case proves that those protections are strong enough. Brown is facing serious felony charges that could land him in prison, So why do we need another bill creating a new tribal cultural area system? Well, did I mention this is a complex issue? If you'd like to check out this new legislation for yourself, and you should, look up the Advancing Tribal Parity on Public Land Act and the Tribal Cultural Areas Protection Act. The full text of both bills is available online. Which of you listening right now took a class in school about Family Finances 101? No one? Yeah, me neither. Just like the importance of a will or college savings plan or even life insurance or estate planning, we have to know these things. But how do we figure it all out? 
That's why I'm excited to partner with Fabric by Gerber Life. Listen, one of the few things expected of you in life is to not let other people pick up after you. That's why I have life insurance, to make sure my stuff is taken care of even when I'm gone. Fabric by Gerber Life is term life insurance you can get done right here, right now. You could be covered from your couch in under 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash cal. That's meetfabric.com slash cal. M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash cal. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam motor treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, Seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. I guarantee you've listened to them because I use it you know, regularly. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without on X. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. Moving on to the Crime Desk. Two Idaho men were sentenced to probation and banned from hunting after they admitted in March to killing a golden eagle in a Birds of Prey National Conservation Area. This wasn't the only raptor that these two folks shot down. Idaho Fish and Game, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and the Bureau of Land Management began to investigate raptor deaths in March of last year after learning of multiple dead birds, according to the Idaho statesman. They found red tail, phrygianus, and rough-legged hawks, and at least 10 dead raptors were found near ammunition casings. Not long after, law enforcement officials observed 20-year-old Colton R. Ferdinand and 23-year-old Wyatt G. No using flashlights and rifles to kill the birds at night. They pleaded guilty to killing the golden eagle and were sentenced to two years of probation and banned from hunting or possessing firearms for two years. Ferdinand paid restitution totaling $3,800, and No paid $3,000. The hawk species that were killed were protected under the Migratory Bird Treaty Act, and golden eagles are protected under the aptly named Bald and Golden Eagle Protection Act. Neither man has explained why they chose to target these species, but I can only assume it's the fact that they have a lot to compensate for. Of course, I'm no psychologist, just a guess. 
Another dynamic duo is facing charges in Florida for allegedly killing a white-tailed doe with a pellet gun in a residential area. The men claim to be hunting deer for food, which, you know, I kind of believe. They chose that neighborhood because one of them worked in the area and knew a good spot to shoot deer. No, eh, apparently not. Next up, a case of what you might call, I guess, reverse poaching. Charges were dropped last month against a Las Vegas family after they released a fox that had been legally trapped in the La Madre Mountain Range. Husband and wife Bobby Vasque and Jessica Manners were hiking with their two children and family dogs when they came upon the animal, which had been caught in a trap outside its den. It's a misdemeanor in Nevada to disturb someone else's trap. They were later cited $700 for breaking wildlife law, but instead of paying the fine and moving on, they took their case to court. They don't believe trappers should be allowed to operate in the area, and when asked if he'd do it again, Vasque responded, Absolutely. Vasque and his family plan to continue their crusade in the state legislature, where they hope to ban trapping on all public lands. That's the old, I did something illegal, so now I want it to be legal defense. I, uh, come on. Yeah. In Oregon, wildlife officials were tipped off to a photo circulating online of a 6x6 bull elk that had been loaded whole onto a trailer. The trooper who first reviewed the photo thought it was suspicious, since, as any elk hunter knows, elk are heavy, especially when they haven't been gutted. The animal had clearly been shot in an area accessible to the trailer, which is unusual for most people. The trooper eventually determined the name of the hunter, and he paid him a visit. The subsequent investigation revealed that the poacher, Leonardo Munoz, didn't have the right tag for that elk and had shot it in an orchard near his house. Munoz and his buddy Matt Wilkinson were ordered to pay a $15,000 fine with hunting license suspended for three years. Wilkinson is paying a $1,000 fine and will have his license suspended for five years. Last one for the crime desk. According to a recent report in the French news agency, AFP, China is poaching donkeys from South Africa. A gelatin called Ejo is prized in China for its medicinal qualities, and it's made primarily from donkey skin. South Africa exports about 10,000 donkey skins to China every year, but officials believe the real quantity is much higher as smugglers tap into the trade. Donkeys are reportedly stolen from farms and illegally purchased from villagers by what one animal welfare activist described as suspicious agents. This isn't just speculation. A recent study by researchers from the University of South Africa showed that the donkey population shrank from 210,000 in 1996 to about 146,000 in 2019, a 30% decline. Makes me think about the wild horse and burrow issues we have here in the States and all that habitat restoration work we could do with this sweet IJO market money. Think of the ad campaign. Do you have aches and pains? Well, don't be a jackass. Use donkey jelly. And it'll have you braying in no time. That's a, you know, first attempt. Moving on to the public lands desk. California's largest private landowner has closed all access to the public. Sierra Pacific Industries, which owns nearly 2 million acres of forest land in California, announced last month that it would no longer be allowing access to its land beginning July 1. Portions of the land are usually accessible for hiking, fishing, hunting, and other outdoor activities, but the company cited a host of reasons to justify this latest decision, including fire prevention. 
and to provide for the recovery and restoration of areas impacted by fire. Despite some of the late spring rains, California is experiencing the driest conditions it has had in 1,200 years, said a company spokesman. To help protect our forest resources and public safety, Sierra Pacific is closing our California lands to public access and recreation. From what I can tell, this won't be a permanent closure. The company says it will be monitoring their forests and weather conditions to determine when they can safely reopen to the public. At any rate, this should be a wake-up call to public land users in the Golden State. It's easy to get used to accessing private land, especially when that land is owned by a huge corporation but access can be taken away at any time. As we covered in episode 162, a huge chunk of private land in Georgia has been put up for sale, which is jeopardizing access to a state wildlife management area. If a piece of land isn't covered by permanent protections, access is always hanging by a thread. The death of a company's founder, a bad economy, or simple greed can compel a company to sell the land or limit access. If that's where you like to hunt, you're out of luck. Sometimes there isn't much that can be done, but lots of public land organizations exist primarily to identify and purchase land and easements to ensure permanent public access. That's exactly what we're doing here at Meat Eater with our land access initiative. I don't know if any of the land owned by Sierra Pacific Industries is a good candidate, but if you live in California, it's worth a look. Moving on to the legislation desk. The U.S. Congress passed last week the first major piece of gun-related legislation in over two decades. Most of the policies won't affect hunters directly, but one provision will create a waiting period for adults under 21 who try to purchase a firearm. The new provision requires the FBI to conduct an enhanced background check for juvenile and mental health records for this age group. Since those records aren't in the instant background check system, the check will have to be completed by hand. The law gives the FBI three business days to find a potentially disqualifying record and another seven business days to conduct a more thorough investigation. For a more detailed overview of the legislation, check out our article over at TheMeatEater.com. Also in Washington, the U.S. Forest Service has completed its environmental analysis of copper nickel mining in the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness in northeastern Minnesota. This is the nation's most visited wilderness, but according to the Forest Service, copper-nickel mining poses a major risk to this area. They're proposing a new rule that would impose a 20-year ban on copper-nickel mining on federal lands in the watershed. If adopted, the proposal would prohibit the development of any mineral leases on approximately 225,504 acres of superior national forest lands within the watershed of the Boundary Waters for up to 20 years. The rule is not as good as permanent protection, but it is backed by backcountry hunters and anglers and sportsmen for the Boundary Waters. You can comment on the proposed rule during the 30-day period beginning June 28th, visit the Federal Register, and type Boundary Waters into the search bar. Over in Wyoming, State Governor Mark Gordon says he will challenge the BLM's recent purchase of over 35,000 acres of private land. As we covered in episode 163, the BLM recently purchased a huge chunk of land southwest of Casper, Wyoming, that would give the public access to an additional 40,000 acres of public property. The move was hailed as a win for everybody in the American public. Hunters, anglers, conservationists, people who like to go outside, see pretty landscapes. But Governor Mark Gordon argues the purchase was made with a, quote, 
cavalier disregard for input from the state and local governments. He says this appeal is not about limiting access for sports people, which it will do, or challenging the rights of private property owners who willingly sold their property to the BLM, which this is challenging their rights. Gordon goes on to say it is about whether the federal government can increase its land holdings without public scrutiny. The governor might claim he doesn't want to limit access for sports people, even though he's doing it, but so far, he hasn't said whether he wants to block or modify the land purchase. The state has 30 days from June 17th to detail its request in the Interior Board of Land Appeals. I'd be writing the governor if I was living in Wyoming, or if you do any recreation in that state, I apply for tags and get denied, and I'll be writing Governor Gordon as well. Finally, returning to Nebraska, the Game and Parks Commission voted recently to reject changes to turkey hunting regulations aimed at bolstering the bird population, but they didn't reject the change due to hunter opposition or lack of evidence for the decline. They rejected the changes because they didn't go far enough, according to the Lincoln Journal Star. The proposals would have cut six weeks out of the fall season and lowered the bag limit from two birds to one for the spring season. The changes would have cut the permit limit from three to two commissioners weren't satisfied. They asked for a revised plan that would further reduce the fall hen harvest and minimize the impact of the spring season. They plan to consider the revised proposal at their August meeting. I am personally hoping for a more moderate approach to this. The previous regulations seemed a little extreme on the old turkey, which is sometimes the only white meat in my freezer. That's all I've got for you this weekend. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to write in to A-S-K-C-A-L, that's askcal at meateater.com and let me know what's going on in your neck of the woods. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next week. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some access deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I venison.com and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order.